Okay. And that's it. And there she blows. Weird. And <laughs> that's the way the cookie crumbles. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Nolan here, uh, ready to... <laughs> What's up, Brian? How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing today, man? Um, I'm doing fantastic. 10 out of a 10. Wonderful day. Uh, and we watched 2001 A Space Odyssey today. Yes, we did. Uh, th- thoughts, concerns <laughs> at all? I mean, I don't really have any concerns watching it. Like, after, once the credits rolled, I was like, hmm. Well, well, all fucking right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like, no concerns. Yeah. But overall thoughts on the movie, I think it was very interesting. Um, I, I have uh-huh. seen some elements of the story done before, but again, when this one came out, it was the groundbreaker and the one like setting these trends. So yeah. it's, I, I don't really have any issues story wise. Um, yeah, but yeah, I thought I really enjoyed it. What'd you think? I thought it was awesome. And I definitely got that same, uh, where I was like, I, I feel like I've seen this before and it was um, an interstellar. I felt like it, the interstellar was like v- a lot like this movie in a lot of ways, especially with like the computer, um, uh, like specifically the, you know, Hal is like eventually goes bad and you know, whatever. But before that I was before Hal turns on the crew. Um, I, there was a lot of resemblance between Hal and, whatever the computer's name was from interstellar i got that like kind of vibe a lot yeah um but over, i won't get into details quite yet but yeah overall i was a i was a big fan and i and i honestly after the movie i was like i need to take a walk this was a this is a little bit of a hit to, to my brain. <laughs> to, like, to my brain yeah it was a lot to it's a lot to take in, especially at the end. I was Holy like, shit, dude. I got, it was, yeah. It was like when, <laughs> you've seen Doctor Strange, right? It was like mm-hmm. when she pushes his soul out of his body and he goes through like all the planes. Yeah. Of it's the same thing. And I was like tripping yeah. out. I'd already been drinking a little bit, by the way. I'm an adult. <laughs> I can do that. Um, but I was like, dang, man, this is a trip and a half. Yeah, it was, I think from when, when, uh, gosh, in classic fashion, (laughs) I'm forgetting everyone's name. Okay. When the main dude touches the monolith, he picks, yeah, when he gets the body, that Hal like like basically Hal killed the other crew member you know the only other one alive and he like picks him up on the pod and he's like Hal open the pod doors and Hal doesn't respond from then on I was just like glued my eyes were glued to the screen I just couldn't look away yeah it was and then yeah I I agree with you I think it was definitely the the point where things reached like a fever pitch and I was like hooked for anything else that happened I was like I'm gonna watch let's see what goes on yeah, yeah. Um, before we get any further, I want to ask you just what your rating was. And we'll just make it simple, and we'll do it out of 100. 100 monkeys smashing other animals' bones with their skulls. 
or with their and bones. Make <laughs> and make it weapons. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Out of a hundred monkeys that are making tools. Yeah. Uh, or hominids. They're hominids. It's, it's yeah. been said. I think they, yeah. Anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, let's say out of a hundred, I'd give it a solid, like, 92, 93. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was 95 for me. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, so, what? You want to, I say we call it even, 93? Yeah, well, I'm, like, I'm down with that score. I'm, nine, I'll settle for that. Yeah. 93, I'll go, go a little lower. Uh, 93 out of 100. That is up there with some heavy hitters that we've already watched. Yeah. Uh, but well-deserved, for sure. In fact, I, I mean, in hindsight, it's hard to rate, you know? Like, if we had already seen all these movies, we could, like, rate better or worse or whatever. But in my mind, this is the best movie we've watched so far. Yeah. Um, I think... In just, you, I agree with you 100%. I think in terms of like technical execution, script, um, yeah. I, and I want to rewatch it. Like Schindler's List was a good movie, and I, uh-huh. and there's aspects of it that I liked more than this, and, and vice versa, right? But like, yeah, it was so freaking good. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It was. I was very, very, very surprised. And to me, it was. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna get into. It. I'm gonna go off a little bit. To me, it had like all. I don't know if there's like a trifecta or whatever you want to call it. We haven't like really classified this as anything. But it had to me just like the three key things that make an amazing movie an amazing movie. It has an excellent story. It tells the story visually really well, you know, like the visual, actual, the camera shots and like the effects and everything, which I, I mean, there weren't like that too many like actual CGI effects, but uh, just like the scenes uh, and the cinematography and everything, it did that really well. And then the score music wise, uh, all three, in my opinion, were just excellent and it just, it just made it. I don't know. I, di- I didn't want to look away. I really didn't find myself being like, oh, this is a weird thing that's happening right now. From the very beginning to the very end, I was 100% full attentive. And I think that has to do with uh, it, it, it all being, I guess, edited together in a way that, like, if dialogue isn't being shown the or dialogue isn't being like on screen you have this beautiful cinematography and you have the score if there's dialogue on the screen or being heard you don't have the score but you have like still cool shots of like the spaceship you know and it just it plays into all three of those things super super well uh and yeah it was just oh i love i loved it and i was very surprised especially for oh excuse me Especially for, you know, the movie's relatively old, so I was a bit concerned with the, like, space element of it, Uh, but it turned out to be just, just A1, just a, just a home run. So, yeah, I agree. I think the, sorry, I think all the special effects were, were on point, um, 
Mm-hmm. I think the reason for that is they relied very heavily on practical effects. And so for, yeah. like, the spaceships, instead of it being something that somebody had to render, they just had to build it. And so it's not something you're creating and you have to blur the light for it or whatever. You just have to film it in a natural space, and it, it yeah. looks real because it is real. So I think that, that that still has something to be said about Hollywood because there's movies that do that, that do go for the realism and use, like, practical effects. Yeah. And, and I think those ones still do have me more, you know, invested. Um for example, mm-hmm. like Tenet, that's a film we've we've both seen. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it's like that one had very minimal, if any, special. I think there was a few special effects for like, obviously, flow of time stuff and some explosions, but like other than that, there's no big scene yeah. where it's like, all right, we've got these CGI superheroes fighting or anything. It was just yeah, like, hey, we built yeah. this set and or we built a miniature of the set. We're gonna blow it up and film it or. Whatever they ended up doing, I, yeah. just, I appreciate when filmmakers like are dedicated to that that extreme. Definitely, and it is funny that you bring up Tenet because I did, from all the Christopher Nolan movies that I've watched, uh, there has to be he has to have like have gotten <laughs> some influence from uh, Stanley Kubrick, if I'm saying that correctly, Kubrick. Uh, because I felt I feel like a lot of his movies take from a lot of Mr. Kubrick's movies too. Because I've seen A Clockwork Orange, uh, and now 2001: Space Odyssey. There's there's a lot from those two that I've seen of of uh, Mr. Kubrick's uh, that I could like kind of tell in Christopher Nolan's movies more so in this one than anyone else. Um. But yeah, it's funny that you bring that up because I was just kind of thinking about that before we started that. Uh, that you are right and that this movie was definitely, it must have been groundbreaking because not only is there so many movies that have similar like tropes, but also just in like popular culture, like, uh, you know, it's like parodied or made fun of or whatever, you know, hundreds of times, so made an impact yeah it's it's even got some meme history so when we do open yeah. up that OnlyFans page <laughs> there you go <laughs> we might talk about it oh yeah i forgot it was a, i forgot we were doing the only fans page but it was the meme history yeah, that was, that, and then wait do we are we showing our feet too yeah, or something like we're that we're just gonna have our feet on camera um yeah yeah, yeah. i might like paint my toenails every once in a while We'll just talk about memes, and they, they'll only hear our hear our voices and see our feet, and that's that's enough. For they, I think it is enough. For, it's too it's much too for most people, actually. <laughs> yeah. I, and speaking of the visual effects, though, I have to say this did win the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects in 1969. So and well deserved. Goes to show you that, yeah, definitely well deserved. Yeah. Please no, continue. I was, I, I was, it was, I was going to bring up the special effects um, again. <laughs> good. And so this is kind of a good segue. Um, but, like, what did you think of, like, if you had to look at the visuals of that, compare it to what can be made today? Do you think it holds up? Do you think it's better? Do you think it's worse? Um... You could make this movie today, call it an indie movie, and it would win awards. Okay. Shot for shot. Shot remake. Everything's the same. Yeah. Like, 
not even shot for shot remake like just if it came out as it is special effects the same everything the same and you just call it like a low budget movie today because i mean obviously it was there was a big budget at the time because of so much stuff but uh yeah you could call it just like a i don't know like a sundance whatever those things are uh type of movie today and i feel like even even then even if you did it that way yes i feel like it holds up i'm trying to do make it way more contrived than yes definitely holds up uh mostly because there like you said there isn't it's not super cgi it's not really anything not really anything super computer generated um it i get a lot in the space scenes um reminds me of like old star wars stuff and that's that's still holds up i mean uh even to this day you know it's not like a horrible thing to watch uh but in this movie in particular it was totally totally holds up um mostly because it you, when you're telling the story alongside the scenes like especially in space and then you're also you know he had either beautiful music in the background or the lack of any noise whatsoever uh, just the intensity of the moment when you're following the story makes up for any lack of technological advancement or anything that wasn't available at the time. Okay. <clears throat> I, yeah, I agree. I, it gives me the vibe of like what I, what I've called, uh, well, I don't, yeah, I don't know if it's an official term or anywhere or not, but like I, I call it dirty sci-fi because just coin it because it's yours. it looks real and yeah that's like one of the reasons i loved the new um blade runner movie blade runner 2049 when that came out is because it was like uh-huh. all practical effects with some cgi work like where it had to be and yeah it just yeah it just helps me immerse more i think like when in there when like i'm not worried about oh that looks really bad or oh i can tell that that's fake when I don't have to go through and, and worry about visualizing that, I'm, I'm able yeah. to get immersed in the story more. So I was able to go through and stay very focused on this. Like even though I was doing some other things, like while I watched it, I was able to stay pretty focused on what was happening. Yeah, and it does like, uh, like the bad, you know, CGI. It really does throw you off. Or throws me off, I guess. Like throws me off of the story when I see something and I'm like, ugh, that is. <laughs> I don't want to be pretentious or anything, but I'm like that. Why even try to do it CGI? Why not just make it something else? I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. When the bad CGI will throw me off for sure. So that's where I was a little bit hesitant with this movie. Just, I mean, not that it made me enjoy it any less. I just. It's just kind of curious, say it's more accurate, curious how they would do the effects, and it was was out of the park, out of this world. Let me ask you something, Ryan, and I I don't know if I have an answer on my own for this particular question, but what do you think is the reason why Hal 
fails at first or like uh, you know like he misdiagnoses the error kind of and then he plays it off as like a human error like what do you think sets Hal off to end up doing what he does we we're, we're talking about this because yeah. I was thinking about that while I was watching it I was like why is he doing this as a robot um, yeah so I, I have two working theories, and if these sound like bullshit, sure. you just let me know, and I'll accept that feedback. But one no. of <laughs> I won't, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. So one of them was like the obelisk emits radio frequencies, right? We know that that's like one of the main components of the story. <laughs> so my theory number one is that Hal interpreted the radio signals from the obelisk. And was able to interpret it as, like, a list of commands. And he's just following orders from the obelisk. Theory number one. Okay. Theory number two. Not bullshit. Thank you. I feel feel a little bit better about that one now. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, that's theory number one. Theory number two is that Hal is going through and running simulations on what realistically would happen if humans started to interact with the obelisk and saw that it would lead to humanity's demise. And so he's like, well, they're not going to allow me to stop them, so I'm just going to do it myself so I can continue to, like, have something to, like, give me commands and give me an input. That's theory number two, is that he, like, just is trying to help humanity, protect humanity from the obelisk. Okay. So you think the obelisk is a bad thing? I, or he, you think he thinks it's yeah, a bad I thing? Yeah, I think that just it just running is. numbers, Hal has decided, even if it's something that is friendly, like let's say it is something that's like not going to kill everybody as soon as we touch it, just the implications of whatever technology it is, because it's proof of something like intelligent existing before mankind. Yeah. <clears throat> so that in and yeah. of itself is like a very big deal. But yeah, and he does know Hal is the only one who knows what the real mission is, and all of the crew doesn't know. So I mean that that kind of adds up. Yeah. So those are my thoughts yeah. on the whole Hal okay. debate. Yeah. Okay. Because it is kind of like Alien in uh, that sense. Have you ever have you watched Alien? Yeah. Oh no no no! I thought you just meant like alien in general no i've never so seen so the alien um the first movie is they go to this planet and they are searching for survivors and they find this uh one of the like face huggers and it goes through and like latches on all this stuff and like that was the whole that was the point of the mission was essentially to just send these guys to like harvest them or whatever they could do and and yeah. like the AI on the ship is they call it mother like mother's the only one that knows what the true mission is so I just yeah. I don't think it would be in the realm of like having to explain it away in the lore that that would be my guess yeah and there is this movie is from my understanding from my understanding pretty uh, closely based on a book actually called the Sentinel I'm going to look up the author just so I can give them proper credits. Uh, oh, sorry, it's a short story by Arthur C. Clarke. 
Um, so I guess it's a couple of short stories. I don't know. I'm not super clear on the details, but anyways, it's so it's based somewhat on some uh, some literature that. I mean, maybe in the future we could reference to, like, see if our theories change based on what the author wrote. But in my mind, in terms of how, I mean, we can go on a bunch of different tangents about different parts of the movie. But with how, I feel like, for me, that's the most confusing part of the story. Yeah, the the why. Because the obelisk, yeah, because, like, the obelisk and, like the whole like dying and then being reborn i mean in my mind i can kind of wrap it (laughs) it it makes a little bit more sense in my head like i don't know he's going to like the fourth dimension or something like that and like time is you know relative or he just like meets an alien species and they like rebirth him i don't even know but why how you know trips out is to me the most confusing because I, I mean even in the even in the actual movie the two main characters the crew on the ship when they leave earth to go to jupiter to find this obelisk they even say they have a bad feeling about how but it's like how do you and i mean based on the voice actor who who plays hal and you know the way that they say the lines like i get the bad feeling too but like i don't know how do you have a bad feeling about a computer per se and like how if it has never failed why does it uh, why it's almost like it's more trying to cover up something like it was doing what it was doing intentionally because why would it say something has failed and then have, like, this pride, this sense of pride? Like, a computer doesn't have that, you know? This sense of pride of, like, oh, well, it must have been human error. We've seen this before. The HAL 9000 is never wrong. Some, some, some Something to that effect. Yeah, they, like, question it. So, yeah, they, like, question Hal, and Hal's like, no, it's not me. It's yeah, human Hal's error. So, I, I, yeah. So, I mean, if I would just take a take a guess, I mean, there must be something. There must be something that Hal knows, or there must be something that is interfering with the computer. And maybe you're right that, like, based on calculations, the computer just determines that humans shouldn't be on this mission you know yeah. and i mean that makes sense because there's not really a clear ending as to like is the obelisk like like what does it actually do is it a good thing is it a bad thing like it's, it's that's, that's not like a hundred percent clear so that the whole calculations to not bring humans along kind of checks out um but yeah i don't know it's it's just a to me that was the turning point for like my questioning as to how it was going to end cuz i got a feeling that like how it was going to turn on everyone but i didn't know how yet 
And then when it did, I was just confused. And I didn't come it, I didn't come to a clear resolution as to why, mostly because the main character like then wins, I guess, in this like battle, if you want to call it that, this like weird debacle with the computer so you kind of like get past that part and continue on with the story but why it initially turns i feel like would could be anyone's guess could have been interference with like the rate because the main base in houston was saying that it's emitting this radioactive energy could have been interference if they were following that trajectory towards jupiter uh could have been that i don't know just by chance that the how computer was wrong um, just based off of, you know, millions and millions of calculations. I don't know. Could have been just symbolizing not trusting anything, <laughs> like, just as part of the story. But, yeah, that was just the one thing that I thought I'd ask. I, want, I wanted to ask you because that that part confused me the most. Okay. So... My question yeah. that I wanted, my other question that I wanted to ask you, besides just special effects, is this one. This one's more so story related. Um, <clears throat> yeah. What yeah. do you think the obelisk is? Another good question. That if you I just had to, sp- I don't know if I know the answer to. If I had to, if I had to speculate, I mean, it has to be. Like I said, it has to be some, like, fourth-dimensional portal or something. Because you see the main character, like, basically be reincarnated. Like, he lives this, like, weird life and then dies and then gets reborn. So, in my mind, if I understand the fourth dimension at all, which I don't really, it's, like, that time is, like... Not that it can be controlled, but it's like it's relative. You can move around. Yeah, you can like move around time in the fourth dimension. So I, I, I mean, this is this is what I think the obelisk might be. It's something that was obviously created by aliens as this fourth dimensional, like portal, and the main character must he like that he has to do the mission that he's set out to do because it affects i don't know the timeline of the universe or something so like he is predetermined to do what he does and he's like stuck in a loop or something like that i don't know that's what i would think it's something from aliens something related to the fourth dimension that's about it as far as i got what do you think i think i think it's like just watching it i don't think it was so much a like being who could move through the fourth dimension like it was like it wasn't like some type of portal or anything like that but i do think that it does have to do with sorry i'm like lost my train of thought of like how i was going to explain this so i didn't sound like an idiot um yeah that's okay i probably sound like an idiot this whole podcast anyways no, I, I, 
you sounded much more intelligent than I, sir. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as what the obelisk is, I think it's like that. That is the X factor of like how we achieve communication through time. Like, I think it's us. Like, I think it's okay. us as a species from the future, saying like this is a okay. constant. This obelisk is constant. It's been here forever, right? It was with the hominids, like we saw the cavemen develop. It's just this constant thing that has no, like like you're saying, time doesn't impact it the way it impacts us. So it's always going to be here. It always has. It's just a form of intelligence. And like having that level of intelligence, like caused the, the, the main guy to like be reborn. I, I don't know. That was like kind of my interpretation of it as I watched, but I'm I again I might be full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all are in a little bit of ways, but I mean that uh, for for what I've seen of like sci-fi movies in general, uh, that kind of checks out because that's kind of the Interstellar yeah. story. Is like, but that has to do with the fourth dimension too, I guess, right? Like it's the black hole is like sent from or it's a wormhole the wormhole is like sent from human beings in the future so i mean it checks out as far as how it would make sense i i mean i think it's anyone's guess you know you could interpret it however you want there's a moral to the story though underneath that all which my small pea brain was just i just couldn't wrap my head around there's like there has to be like i don't know some lesson or something to take away i that like i was just i was just trying to grasp at straws trying to figure out what it was because there's has to be some like rebirth type deal like a reincarnation but yeah i don't know i didn't get too far like it just in my mental thought process. Yeah, I mean, if I had to like look for a moral based on what I saw and what I interpreted, I, I think it would be <clears throat> because the obelisk is like again, it's just there. It's just like existing. It's not. Yeah. It doesn't have malice. I think it's just a form of intelligence. So I, I don't know. I, I think realistically that. Never mind. I, I, it's gone. My train of thought's gone. <laughs> it's anyone's guess. What I do know about this movie is if, well, really any movie that leaves you kind of questioning, not even just the movie itself, but like your takeaway from it and like what the, what, what the story was and, and, you know, has multiple interpretations uh, usually ends up being just good conversation in general because anyone you could interpret it any way, uh, but the fact of the matter is, is it was a good story that was told, excellent cinematography, excellent score, and to me keeps the viewer wanting to see like a reasonable end, and when you kind of don't get that, it makes it that much better. Because then you can just come up with a million ways of what it actually is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah. There's so, I mean, 
I'm sure there's a thousand and one theories out there on the internet about what the actual end meaning is. I am curious to know. I might go and read like the short stories uh, that the movie was based on just to see if the ending was more clear in like the author's eyes. But the the reason that Hal trips up to me is the thing I'm questioning the most. That's like the, the smoking gun. That's kind to me that's the smoking gun because if it is what you say if it is human beings in the future i'm just like i don't know did they did they pre program hal to kill everybody and the main character is supposed to be the only one that's alive or did that just happen by chance? You know what I mean? Like, is there is so is so many so many what ifs, so many questions that we will not have the answer to? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know because let's say let's say that the end of the movie, like, just again shooting the shit. We're not dedicating and saying this is our official stance, but like, let's say the movie instead of how like being born into this fifth dimension or fourth dimension is instead just reborn, like, with the knowledge of the cosmos and this ancient being. And, like, the the signal that Hal interpreted is saying, like, we need, we need somebody to go through and, and go through this shit and be reborn with the knowledge yeah. because they're going to go through and save mankind. And then Hal, like, has an obligation yeah. at that point to be like, okay, we're going to make it happen. Yeah, but then why, like, almost almost risk the life of I gotta look up this this guy's name cause it's gonna drive me crazy just saying the main character okay let's let's find out here uh is it David Bowman I'm pretty sure that's the main the main guy what yes okay. it is David Bowman, ninety nine percent sure that that's that's the guy we're talking about. So the main guy, David Bowman. Like if if it was if it Hal had the obligation to make sure that Mister Bowman was the only one to go through, why like almost kill him in the middle of space? You know what I mean? Because everyone's already dead. Why not just open up the pod doors and just let him in? You know. Why he has to like go through the emergency airlock and almost dies. It's so. So I looked up who the, the hell knows the kind of synopsis for the book, and it may it it does allude to some things. So I'll just read it to you. So the story deals with the discovery okay. of an artifact on Earth's moon left behind eons ago by ancient aliens. Object is made of a polished mineral, is tetrahedral in shape, and is surrounded by a spherical force field. The narrator speculates at one point the mysterious aliens who left this structure on the moon may have used the mechanisms belonging to a technology that lies beyond our horizons, perhaps to the technology of paraphysical forces, or like you're saying, the fourth people accessing the fourth dimension. The narrator then yeah. speculates that for millions of years, evidenced by, evidenced by dust buildup and around its force field, the artifact has been transmitting signals deep into space, 
but it ceases to transmit when sometime later it is destroyed with the savage might of atomic power. The narrator hypothesized that this sentinel was left on the moon as a warning beacon for possible intelligent and spacefaring species that might develop on Earth. Hmm. So the story seems to be a little bit different than the actual movie. Just, I mean... Yeah, it's quite different. Because it doesn't end up getting destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to I'm just yeah, going to I'm, like, I'm pretty invested uh, now. Let's read let's read it together. Let's read it let's together. It. Uh, well, um let's see. I don't think it's very long. If it is, we'll give it more time, but if it's not, I say a follow-up is needed. It says 258 pages. Can you read 258 pages by next Probably. week? I read one page a day, so that's going to be See, battle for me. See you in no, 2022. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, are you are you willing to do that? Because I am. I'm very interested in reading the story. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm down to do that. Do you just want to talk about the book next week instead of a film? Yeah. Yeah, let's right, do man. it. There you have it, folks. There's so many. There's just so many questions that I have, and I'm curious how the book answers said questions I'm, I'm, yeah yeah maybe in a it tells a different story but like comes to the same conclusion or maybe it's different i don't know i don't know uh i am definitely definitely interested in reading it though because this movie was amazing it was awesome it did so many things right it was just captivating was kept my eyes glued on the screen and overall it's a 10 out of 10 and i recommend it to anybody agreed man i don't even i don't even need to say anything else that's perfect perfect ending perfect description nah. <laughs> beautiful uh okay so we're also caught up on episodes by the way so uh by the time you're seeing this or hearing this rather It'll be the most recent one. We've been a little bit backlogged trying to get some stuff uploaded. So this will be the most recent one when it's published. We very likely won't have any other ones recorded before that. So getting up to date there. And I have to thank Ryan for doing that. He does all the editing, uh, does, you know, the audio together. And then I just get it published. So thanks for doing that, Ryan. Appreciate the hell out of you. Uh, and a good conversation today, definitely. If there's one thing, one sentence, one phrase, uh, one, um, you know, whatever, that you would say about the story of this movie, what would you say? Not like visual effects, not like ratings or the Academy or whatever, just about the actual story, what would you say? Like, if I had to summarize it or if I had to, like, describe it to somebody? Just, uh, more like, just your takeaway thought. Yeah, like a a single thought bubble. Single thought bubble for 2001 A Space Odyssey. (sighs) Um, uh, Worth the watch? Nine out of ten? Love it. Beautiful think my thought bubble would be it's 
it ain't easy. <laughs> but, nah, I don't it ain't know. easy being green. Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> My one thought bubble would probably just be uh, they don't make them like they used to. Because this movie in particular is not like any new movie that I've ever seen. There's like a full 30 minutes at the beginning where there's like zero dialogue whatsoever. And there's so many gaps in where like the story is just being told by the actual scene and the visual portion of it. And I don't, I don't feel like I've seen very many movies recently that are like that, but some of the older movies that we've watched were definitely like that. So they don't make them like they used to is my final thought bubble. That's all I'll say. That's a fair. That's a great way to end it. Actually. Thank you for giving us that closing thought, Derek. (laughs) No problem. Thanks everybody. Uh, the Sentinel, the, short story slash book by mr arthur c clark uh is next week it's on audible if you have audible uh i'm just gonna get from the library but yeah that's about it thanks everybody thanks ryan and uh we'll see you next time awesome